That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, here we are back at another episode of the same old song, same old song in the age of Corona. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing okay. I think I have probably... Uh, uh, that low-level anxiety that, to some extent, most people are feeling these days. Uh, just, I think, part of it is the stress that comes from having your normal routine really altered. And um, I spent all day yesterday working from about 7 a.m. till about 9 p.m. in one room of my house, my new home office, and uh, I just felt like a a rat in a cage, as the song goes. And I think uh, so. Today, I went for a run. I took some of my meetings outside, and uh, I feel mentally healthier for it. But yeah, I mean, we're all going through a weird thing. I mean, there's some really amazing ministry happening in Waco, and really incredible unity among churches and city leaders, and people really trying to address this crisis. Uh, and it's inspiring. But also, we're all facing challenges, and people are cut off from hugs, which is how we were all getting through life before this. Hugs. Mm -hmm. And now we can't do it. How about you? Yeah, I think, um, so we're moving into uh, the fourth week of quarantine here, and um, uh, we're recording in Holy Week, so uh, this is uh, the fourth week of quarantine, and, um, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's very stressful, and um, it's, uh, I'm beginning to realize more and more that this is, uh, and believe it, that this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Um, this is a very serious business. Um, and so, and what does it pastor, what does it mean to pastor into situations like this? And what does it mean to be like a dad in situations like this? And so, um, in this whole new world, and um, I think, you know, uh, when you're in a situation like this, typically when we'd be recording, you'd hear sirens, and it sounds like the apocalypse going on outside of my window. And uh, there isn't a single car on the block right now. And um, so, which is interesting, but I think, you know, going out and uh, you know, trying to exercise and stay focused um, on just a, a few things a day has been very, very important in uh, surviving what could be the um, overwhelming nature of this whole thing. And also, I think we'd both agree that uh, our faith in Jesus and, you know, this is what we've been talking about. Yeah, it's the real deal. And it's mm -hmm. for times such as these that, that Christ came and is with us now. And yeah, and I know yeah. uh, uh, you and I are... Um, you know, we have the witty banter from time yeah, to time. Yeah. And, and it'll we, come back. It'll and come we'll back. have it. But yeah, I mean, we really believe this stuff. And uh -huh. for the for the hope, uh, for the means of grace and the hope of glory, as the prayer book says. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is all about. Christ yeah. with us in our suffering, which is a lot of what we're talking about today as we now turn to the second Sunday of Easter, the great 50 days. And I got to say, preachers out there, you have already had to radically shift the way you preach uh, and think about preaching because you're preaching to a screen, to a camera, you're preaching 
at an empty church, uh, or at the very most, maybe a church with three choir members who are all socially distanced or something like that. You don't have the conversation that you usually have with the congregation as you're preaching. You uh, have a joke or you have a serious point and it just, it's in an empty room. And uh, so it's odd. I hope you guys and gals out there have figured out uh, preaching or figuring it out. I know I am. I'm not quite there yet. And I got to just, I want to affirm everybody who's preaching out there to say this is a new day. It's a weird day. The technology is a gift, but it's also something, it's a learning curve for everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so we are going to, um, to continue to do this, but in light of the new circumstances and God bless you as you are all preaching in these strange new times. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to reiterate, uh, that too, kind of a a couple of points we talked about, uh, our last episode. Um, and that is, um, one of our previous episodes, but that is like, now's the time to like share with your congregation. Like, I mean, be honest and lay your heart out there on the, uh, in the pulpit and um, and bring home the reality of what's going on um, to the scriptures, and then bring the hope of the gospel to that reality. Um, you know, this isn't a time, but there is a distinction between that and self-therapy up in the pulpit. And, uh, you know, this isn't your time to, like, express your doubts in God and all of that. <laughs> this is the time when you come and you, um, you bring the hope of the gospel that is to come, and also the hope of the gospel right now. You bring in, and this is kind of something we'll be talking about through the text, the already and the not yet. You got to bring them both in the pulpit. Those are the goods in this season, the already and the not yet. Yeah, and I think, you know, if I could give one uh, um, patronizing, condescending word of advice to (laughs) preachers out there, uh, it's, and this is something I've had to figure out, the, the way I normally preach in a church that's full of people is very different from how I preach to a screen mm. and or a camera. And I think one of the things I've had to uh, figure out is that it you got to think of it more like a fireside chat or like yes. a, kind of a conversation, like mm. look in that camera and pretend like you're looking at a person. Uh, and, and it's got to be a little bit more conversational than a uh, sort of grand elocution or some kind of sermonic thing. It's just a different mode of, of communication. So mm. uh, that's the one thing that we're still figuring out. And I, and I, I hope you guys, if you guys have tips or tricks or ideas or questions, obviously you can uh, connect to us on the Insta, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think, uh, I think uh, regardless as we figure that out and as we figure that out, um, like we said, um, if nobody wants to hear your politics at this time, um, Amen. And uh, I was talking about this with a friend. Uh, he sent me an email um, and uh, said, you know, I feel really bad for this, the, the pastors that were uh, going to juice everybody up in their sermons, you know, and uh, this isn't a time to juice everybody up. Uh, this is a time to um, talk really about the gospel, and the gospel is the forgiveness of sins and uh, the justification of sinners before a righteous God because of the person work of Jesus Christ. And um, that is, if you don't, if you're not conveying that, um, uh, that you're, you're not, you're not preaching. And so yeah. um, just that's, that's, it's got to be as straightforward as that. Amen. I think what we've seen is that people are hungry for the word of God. Just I'm talking about St. Albans social media presence. Like 
people have not stopped watching daily morning prayer at 7.30 since we started offering it. Way more online than ever came in person. Sunday morning uh, services, everything we're doing, people yeah. are eating it up. Not because it's so great, but uh, I mean, whether it is or it isn't, people want to hear the Word of God and they're looking for comfort at this time. So yeah, this is not about preachers offering something that, you know, I don't know. Don't 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 dwell on secondary stuff. The main thing mm. is the main thing, which is Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Mm. Uh, death died and risen again for sinners. So. And th- really, that's uh, that is the content of our readings today. That's the content of our readings every Sunday. But this week we're looking at Acts chapter two, verses fourteen, and then twenty-two through thirty-two. Uh, we're also going to be looking at First Peter chapter one, verses three through nine, and then John chapter twenty, verses nineteen through thirty-one. And uh, really, um, our first reading in Acts chapter 2, you see Peter here delivering a sermon. Um, This is the uh, center of Acts chapter 2, not the giving of tongues. A lot of people want to focus on that, but it's this sermon. The giving of the tongues confirms the sermon that's about to come out of Peter's mouth. And Peter gets up, and you remember, this is the man who um, 50 days earlier had denied Jesus. Um, This is the man uh, just shortly... um, after his resurrection, um, had gone back to his old job of fishing, and he shows up, and uh, he delivers the goods. And uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Eric. How did, Jake. How did you know it was fifty days after he uh, denied Jesus? Oh, because this is the feast of Pentecost um, that That's this is right. taking place. Yeah. So yeah, the giving so of the Holy is... Spirit in the tongues confirms the sermon, the validity of the sermon that he's about to preach. Yep, and this is the this is the um, this passage picks up right after like the funniest uh, part of the scriptures, which is where they think the disciples are drunk because they're speaking in tongues. That's and right. Peter's like it's just nine in the morning. So, um, which is left out of this passage. It's it's omitted. Um, but anyways, I think the the thing that's there's a couple of things you can preach on here as you speak to your congregation via your live stream or recorded sermon. Uh, one of the things is that um, Peter roots this discussion of Jesus in history. That's so he's right. speaking to Jewish people who have come from all over the world to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. They've offered sacrifices at the temple. That's the whole cult. That's the whole religion at this time is these sacrificial offerings on a big stone altar in the middle of the temple at the highest point in Jerusalem. And they hear these Jewish men from Galilee, these rednecks, speaking their own language, telling them about Jesus. They wonder what's going on. They all flock to hear what's happening. And Peter stands up and says that you know what happened with Jesus. Uh, this was attested to you. Everybody's heard about him, and um, and now you know he was crucified. And you know even some of you here would have been part of those mobs that chanted to crucify him or mm-hmm. opposed his ministry. And yet now he's he's raised from the dead. So I think one of the first things that you can address is the fact that A, this is rooted in history. B, this Peter, as this spokesperson for the church, it's amazing that the first thing the church does after the resurrection of Jesus, not the first thing, but you know, basically this first public act of ministry is to offer forgiveness and hold open the door wide open for the people that killed Jesus. It's sort Amen. of like, imagine the person who's who's wronged you more than anyone has ever wronged you. And the first thing you do is like, come back into my life. Mm. Like that's that's the forgiveness that's on hand yeah. here. That, this God you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. Mm-hmm. And then, but, and you know, um, 
uh, God raised him up, having freed him from death. Um, this, is, uh, this is the good news of, of the gospel. God has raised him up and freed him from death because it was impossible for death to hold him. And then, you know, what's so powerful is, is that the second, the, 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 the third thing is that, um, is that Peter roots this in the scriptures. So mm-hmm. um, this isn't plan B, you know, um, first of all, like that God foreknew all of this was going to happen, but he roots this in what David says, you know, and uh, he roots this in the very Old Testament. Yeah, and I think, you know, I would, if another verse I would probably want to hit on is the fact that Peter here identifies something really powerful about the identity of Christ, that it says in verse 25, he was, it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing right now that death currently stalks the land in a way that people were sort of yeah. unaware of before. And everybody is afraid, as we've said before, everybody's afraid right now of death. And um, you can go on CNN right now and you can see a whole like wall of victims of coronavirus. Like you can just like remembering those who have been lost. And, and there will be, I mean, give us a year or two, there'll be monuments all over the country in different cities where we remember those who died in this outbreak. And uh, I think uh, the fact that he says one of the things that's true about Jesus Christ is it's impossible for him to be held by the power of death. Man, hold on to that, people, because uh, for those who are in Christ, it is impossible. Because if Christ is if Christ is he who death cannot hold on to, and we are in Christ and Christ is us, that is a promise that's for us as well. So, mm-hmm. um we as Christians live as people who have already died and risen again. And again, that sounds like pie in the sky, but as you and I talked about, this is already and not yet. This is the tension of the gospel. This has been given to us. This is true for us. And yet we feel like now that we're living in this time where it's kind of a not yet. And it's both things at the same time. And, uh, and you know, and that's, and that's exactly uh, David's point here. You know, he says, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades. Or uh, yeah. let your Holy One experience corruption, and uh, you have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Uh, the yep. thing that, what, what, what is troubling people right now, see, um, people think losing their jobs is troubling them. Uh, people think that uh, COVID-19 is troubling them, but that is the fruit. You know, uh, you know, they think that the burden of being a homeschooler or that like, you know, all of these things, those are just fruits of what's really burdening people. And that is, as you said, Hades is knocking on the door. And yeah. um, and uh, and what you need to be able to do is speak to that reality and then remind them that in Christ, you have not been abandoned to Hades. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's and, right. Uh, and I, and. And, and I think, and Peter doubles down again on this in the hope of the resurrection. He says it in the beginning uh, that God raised him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he also says it at the end of this passage that this Jesus God raised up. And then just to kind of throw all his cards on the table, all the chips in, he says, of that, all of us are witnesses. He's sort of like, I dare you to question us on this. Yeah. And he knew it was a crazy claim. Yeah, because Jesus, all... All that would have had to happen is someone bring in a wheelbarrow with a dead Nazarene in it and say, here's right. your Messiah. But he says, G- yeah. all of your witnesses. So how do we know that he's not abandoned us to the to Hades? Because there are witnesses to this. And we stand on that testimony as well. This is so much more than a feeling, brothers and sisters um, and siblings. This is, um, this is witness to. Mm-hmm. Witness to. Yep. And... and uh, 
yeah, Peter, uh, this is this is a good apologetic text here that in a time when Jesus's body, if it were still in a tomb, could have readily been identified as him. Uh, and and it's you know the tomb is is right there outside of Jerusalem. Like they could all walk there thirty minutes from where Peter's given this sermon, and they could check, and nobody goes to do that. And um, and uh, and you could say, well, maybe they'd go and there's nobody because somebody stole the body, which again, that's what the gospels say, the story that people made up. So is Peter going to preach this message that he knows is untrue uh, then, that he's making up so that he can get killed and beaten and imprisoned and all that? At some point, the bluff would be called. But anyways, so this is the real deal, uh, the resurrection from the dead. And Peter puts puts it all there and that's what your your people need to hear and I need to hear and Jake needs to hear cuz uh, we uh we are uh, in desperate need of this truth right now mm. always but it's just it's a little bit clearer now so and this moves us into first peter his his epistle this is a, a much more mature peter um but probably not writing a, a letter to his church <laughs> and uh, and he begins by saying blessed be still standing in that same confidence of the resurrected jesus and uh, as you pointed out earlier, uh, Aaron, he would have been writing to churches in Asia Minor and Rome, which were experiencing profound persecution at this time under uh, the Neroshan persecutions under Nero. And uh, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he's given us a new birth. So this thing that's already happened, we've already had the new birth. Um, but yep. how is that possible? In a living hope? Well, how is it living? Well, it's living because Jesus has risen from the dead. And what's really cool in this passage is you do see clearly this already and not yet. So Peter is 100% sure that this is a done deal, signed, sealed, delivered. You got it. It's yours. Um, uh, you have been uh, received. You've, get, you've, been, you've been given this new birth. But then he starts talking about inheritance imperishable, undefiled, fainting, kept in heaven for you. So an inheritance is something that's usually in the future. Uh, and he says, basically, you're being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So you are held in God's hands, but there's yet something to become that will, there's something coming that will be revealed. So, and he talks now, and man, if this doesn't speak to your people today, I don't know what does. He says, in this you rejoice, even if now for a little while, <laughs> this is verse six, you had, you have had, you've had to suffer, uh, and, uh, various trials. And he says, what's going to happen is this is like gold being tested by fire and your faith is going to come out, uh, at the end of this, um, to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Yeah, so this is us right now. Yeah, that's right. This is right where we're at. I was uh, listening to um, I was listening to kind of one of the um, elders of New York City um, kind of uh, um, teach, and uh, I forget his name, but anyway, he was uh, he was great, and he mentioned he was teaching on um, John of the Cross, and he said that um, so often uh, that uh, John the Cross he he makes the point that sometimes like suffering comes about to because we're on one road and we would have completely missed it without it and that suffering causes us to stop and actually begin to examine what's important and you had a beautiful analogy about this for preachers uh when we were prepping for this Aaron and you want to share that the story of the steak yeah so imagine your life is a dinner plate in front of you and 
for a long time you would look at that plate and feel really content about your life because there was a big old juicy steak in the middle or if you're a vegan maybe it was some sort of butternut squash curry deliciousness who knows what it was but some wonderful meal there with some delicious sides on a beautiful china plate and and you were happy because uh you know you had all these things to make you comfortable in life uh your job security your relationships your social life uh you know just the stuff with which you filled your life and then on the edge of the plate, there was this beautiful little garnish, just a sprig of parsley. And that was Jesus. And it was so great to have Jesus kind of along for the ride and just, um, you know, uh, adding a little color to, to the thing. But your real comfort, your sense of peace and hope and happiness in the world was probably mostly based on the things that made you comfortable. Your Netflix, your, uh, your craft cocktails, and uh, whatever else, your golf game, your college sports, whatever it was your job security. And now a lot of that stuff has just been cleared from the plate. And now you see that the garnish, the thing that was there on the garnish, that little sprig of parsley on the side is actually the main, the main course. And, uh, it's, um, it's way more. So Jesus has moved from being kind of the garnish in our lives to being a man. It's, it's, it's all we got at this point. And that's, this is something that was true for the church for a long time. We've been given a long time to not have, I mean, some people have had to worry about it. Talk to, talk to homeless people and find out where their faith is, man. It is amazing (laughs) and rock solid. But for those that have been comfortable for a long time, Jesus has been a little sort of on the side and now he's, Mm. he's moved front and center. And, and this uh, is what you see when you're when you're in fire. So yeah, and uh, and the way you see it is uh, by faith. Um, you know, I love what Saint Augustine once said. He said, "I see. I have faith not because I see, but I see because I have faith." And uh, this yeah. is what Peter is getting at towards the end of this epistle or this our reading today. He says, "Although you've not seen him, he's speaking to churches in Asia Minor and Rome. They didn't see Jesus. You know what I mean? But yeah. they've heard the promise through a preacher." And preachers, this is why you are an essential worker now. This is why your vocation is so, so important. Because you have got to preach that God has forgiven you. You've got to preach that God loves you. And he saved you and his son Jesus from Hades. And this inspires by the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, love in people to not only love the God they haven't seen, uh, but then begin to love one another, which is the outcome of their faith and the, ultimately the salvation of their souls because they place it in this God they haven't seen. And so he, I love how he says, although you've not seen him, you love him. And even though mm. you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with indescribable and glorious joy for you are receiving the outcome of your faith. The fruit of our faith is the outcome of our faith is, is not to be sheeple and to panic at every turn, but, uh, but we, um, in the midst of panic and in the midst of the great unknown, uh, we can lift our voices up and sing uh, and confess that we love God and love yeah. Jesus. Yeah, and so now having heard um, Peter's letter, having heard Peter's sermon, we now go to this story about uh, where Peter would have definitely been there, although he's not the main character of this story. But this is a story from John chapter 20, John uh, 20, 19 through 31, where we see the disciples on the end of the first Easter day. So it's nighttime on that Sunday where Jesus has risen from the dead. And we read the story, and it's the famous Doubting Thomas story, and... Um, there's so many sermons about this passage that you and I have heard, Jake, which sort of 
just kind of deify doubt as this wonderful thing and romanticize doubt and talk about how great doubt is and how doubt is a part of faith. And yes, doubt is a part of faith. And there's some maturity to some of those sermons that you and I have heard about that. But um, but the point of this passage is not how great it is to have doubt. Yes. The point of this passage is the grace of God to doubters, how Jesus comes to people who are doubters and people who have weak faith uh, and offers compassion, forgiveness, grace, and mercy even to them. And that's what is going to preach. So please don't say, preachers, uh, when you're preaching this passage in the midst of coronavirus, don't say, coronavirus is hard, so we all have doubt, and doubt's okay in yeah. the end. Like that, that's, man, nobody's going to feel helped by that. And yeah. the point of the passage is that two people that have doubt, Jesus comes directly and speaks a word of yeah. comfort. Can, and I, so, can I tell you yeah, what will ha- happen if you preach that message? Um, people are going to be like, um, pardon my French, but shit, that guy's got nothing to say. Let me go find <laughs> someone who actually does. And exactly. so, because pardon my French, but that's exactly what people are going to say. If you turn around and start talking about, I have doubts too, you have doubts, we all have doubts. That's okay. You're so right. People right now are looking for someone who knows what the hell is up. And uh, yeah. especially when they're facing this pressing question called death. And so, and, yeah. and what they want to hear you say is, is uh, uh, listen, uh, Jesus has come into the midst of your stuff right now and has said, peace be with you. And although you may not be experiencing it yet, uh, that not yet is coming. And so cling to him and rejoice in that. Anyway, I just, I felt like I had to jump in and say that. Yeah, do it. Yeah, episode 78 is same old song. The one where we <laughs> learn that Jacob Smith is bilingual. <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's, um, yeah, I, I think the, you know, the thing that I also want to say, another PSA, I feel a rant coming on here. I once heard a sermon preached on this passage when I was a freshman in college at a church of our denomination where the preacher said, the fact that Thomas wasn't there means that he was out there doing the work of the kingdom and didn't need a resurrection, and therefore Uh, neither do you, and basically questioning the veracity of the resurrection. Pardon me me while I throw up. (laughs) Yeah, you're about to speak some more French, aren't you, Jake? So uh, what what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, I mean, uh, this is the time where the the veracity, the truth, the reliability of the resurrection. I mean, that's the cornerstone of our faith. That's what Peter puts everything, uh, all his hope is on that. And uh, and he was there. And so he, we meet the disciples here in this moment after the resurrection. And what's wonderful about this passage, we pick on Thomas for being doubting Thomas, but they all are in a sense doubting. You know, you read in the gospel accounts when Peter runs to the tomb and doesn't see anything, he just kind of is like, huh? Like he just looks inside, nothing's there. And he's just kind of questioning. He doesn't jump up and down. He's just sort of terrified and confused. And now when they're here on Easter Sunday, and what's wonderful about this in terms of Corona time, like Easter, we get so happy and so excited. And this year, Easter is going to feel weird. It's going to feel dark and light at the same time. But that's what the first Easter was like. And here they are on the evening of the first day. So it is dark. And they're locked inside because they're afraid. So emotionally, they're dark. Uh, psychologically they're dark, spiritually they're dark, they're confused, even though Easter has happened. Mm -hmm. And this is where we are now. The resurrection has happened, it is true, and yet we are living in the dark. And even in that time, Jesus comes. So he, he, he extends that grace, yes, later to Thomas in a big, kind of exciting, dramatic way, but he does the same thing to the disciples now. You know, post-resurrection, you would think the disciples would be not scared, no fear, 
we, we, you know, we got Jesus on our side and he rose from the dead. But no, they are terrified. They're hiding. They're scared. And Jesus connects with them. And in both connections, both with the disciples here and with Thomas later on, the thing that he uses to connect with them and to have them know who he is, he connects with them through his wounds. And so in your darkness, in your suffering, Jesus comes and shows his wounds to you and you know that he's with you and for you. Yeah, and this is very powerful, the connection um, between um, Jesus' appearance to the disciples and then his appearance to Thomas. He tells the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. And if Mm -hmm. you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The point here is the forgiveness of sins. Uh, not mm-hmm. the retaining of them, um, but it, and and by his wounds. So then Jesus comes in and like really, I mean, you see what he does to Thomas. So Thomas is like, I don't believe, even though he's got um, ten additional witnesses who are preaching to him. So this is sin right here, you know what I mean? Doubt, unbelief, um, and uh, he's got these guys t- telling him, and he's like, unless I see with myself, you know. And what one of the things, and and then Jesus appears to him and says, peace be with you. And uh, Jesus's or Thomas's doubts are consumed by the wounds of Christ. Now, mm. what's going on here too is, is that he says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And what, what Jesus is saying here to Thomas and to the disciples and to all of us is that I'm not doing this for every Tom, Dick and Harry. Um, what he is saying here is that um, you've got to hear the words of a preacher. You know what I mean? Mm. And that your sins are forgiven. This peace be with you in Jesus's name comes with the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it creates faith. Thomas, contrary to the Caravaggio painting, which is one of my favorite paintings. I love it. I love (laughs) it. I love it. With his finger. uh, Thomas didn't stick his hands in there. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his feet and said, my Lord, my God. And there's another thing. Jesus doesn't correct him. He's like, dang right, you got it. And (laughs) as your Lord and God, I'm not eviscerating you here on the spot, but I'm forgiving you. And that is our command, to preach the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus did a lot of other things that aren't written in this book, nor can we talk about on this particular episode. But these are written (laughs) that you might believe. This is what it's all about. And through believing, have life in his name. And that's what your people need. They need some life right now. And this is what the gospel offers them. And so, dear preacher, uh, give this message to your congregation because they're hungry and thirsty for a word of life. Amen. Well, Aaron, I'm, uh, I am much more encouraged than I was when I started this episode. <laughs> and I'm ready to kick butt on the next one. So uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys all next week. <laughs> God bless you all. And uh, preach like your life depends on it. And theirs does too. Absolutely. Bye. Somebody's looking, somebody cares Somebody wonders what you're doing today You know we crucified him, buried him But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away Thanks for listening to Same Old Song And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful Either in your preaching or just in your life If you like what you heard, we would love it If you could leave a rating or review on iTunes Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.